Woo! Nothing like getting introduced as a fat kid. That's cool. <laughs> Nothing like it. And then I told him the story. I was like, he's like, what's something different and unique about you? He's like, well, I eat peanut butter and everything. He's like, oh, even hamburgers? I was like, that's actually my top food to eat <laughs> peanut butter on. Has anybody ever tried that? Okay, there's this place in Roseville. This has nothing to do with my message. This is just a sales pitch. There's a place in Roseville called The Kitchen, okay? And it's like super hard to get into, but the guy knows my wife, so I got in once, and they have this burger. It's called a peanut butter and jelly burger, and it's got sriracha jelly on the... Okay, let's, let's speed this up. We got to eat. All right, um, how's everybody doing? Good. Good. I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, I think this is my third time hanging out with Adventure in Atomis. Um, love it here. Beautiful area. My name is Shane. Like you said, I work at Bayside. I work at the Adventure Campus, arm of Bayside, um, and I work with the youth there. And I'm going to just jump right into it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get going because i got a lot of content to roll through. Is that cool with you? All right. Just so you guys know, I like feedback, okay? So I'm going to give you a bunch of opportunities to respond. A lot of you were raised, don't talk in church. I want you to talk as long as it's beneficial. All right? Don't, don't, don't yell at me if I say something wrong. Just see me in the lobby afterwards, okay? So let's pray. God, I pray that you would just teach us today, that you would speak into our lives a new word today. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears to hear from your word today. God, I pray that we would just fall deeper in love with you. Father, push us close to you. As that song says, you run after us, God. Let us have a heart to run after you as well. Father God, we give you this time, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So I'm going to be talking about walls today, and no, this is not a Donald Trump pitch, but um, too soon. No, I'm just talking. Uh, but we're going to be talking about some walls today. I've got to share a story with you real quick first, though. Uh, my mom was a sheriff's officer for the, my whole life growing up. For 20 years, she worked for the sheriff's department. And uh, as a mom, uh, we didn't have child care money or anything like that. So she would often have to take me to work with her. And I would stay in the lounge area of the jail. So weirdest thing, and sometimes I would just wake up, because I'd be, I'd be there for eight hours at a time on my days off from school, and I, I would take a nap on the chairs in the lobby of the jail where they would just bring people through to go to jail. So bad parenting, I know. But, uh, but so one day, I just remember clear as day, I remember waking up from a nap, and there's a guy just on the chair next to me. He's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, great, how's it going? And then right after that, guy just comes up, cuffs him, takes him in the back. Like, it was just an inmate just chilling with me on the chair. And I was like, Mom, we got to do something about this parenting thing. I'm eight years old, and I'm out here with felons, you know? But one, one thing that rocked me as a child, I remember it clear as day. It's seared into my brain. It still kind of messes with me a little bit today. I think it's what started this deep, deep love for my mother. I've always had a deep love for my mom. And I remember one day I was there, and she was off doing work, and one of her friends said, hey, do you want a tour of the jail? I was like, sure, I've never been on the inside yet. Like, take me back there. And I'm walking, I'm eight years old at the time, and I'm walking with this guy, and he takes me back to what they call the shoe. And the shoe is where all the inmates hang out in an open seating area, um, and there's a guy up in a watchtower that just watches over the floor. And he takes me into this watchtower, and I remember thinking, like, wow, that is a lot of buttons. I don't know if you like, know this, but there's so many buttons to open doors. I was so tempted. Like, yeah. <laughs> you take an eight-year-old back there. It's your fault. Um, but I remember 
I'm looking over there, and then I see my mom, who's, who's not big like me. She's a small woman, in the middle of this gathering of 100 guys. And she's just standing there. And I remember thinking, like, oh, mom, mom. And I'm like yelling, but she couldn't hear me. Mom. And then at that moment, a, a fight broke out in the shoe floor. And my mom is in the dead center of this fight. And she's in there all by herself. The guy pushes me to the back and he says, stay there, stay there. And he puts everything on lockdown. And I hear sirens. And I just remember looking through the window and seeing my mom being attacked by an inmate. And I remember at eight years old running up and just pounding on the door, shaking the door and saying, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. I'm going to die. As an eight-year-old, that will mess you up. Let me in, let me in. And it was so hard because there was a wall between me and where I wanted to be. As an eight-year-old, I had the confidence that I could fight that guy off if you let me in. But there was something separating me and my mom. A lot of us have the same thing that goes on in our spiritual life. We see where we want to be in life. We see things that we want to have in life. We see attitudes that we want to have in life, but often we are on the other side of the glass and we feel like we can't get there. There's a wall separating us from where we want to be. The scripture we're going to be talking through today is in Joshua. And I'm going to give you just a brief context before we jump into this. The Israelites, most of us know, were slaves for hundreds of years, and then they get free in the book of Exodus, and they, they walk, and they, they, they're celebrating, they're celebrating, and they have years and years of wandering and God providing over and over again. But they were promised a promised land, a home for them, flowing with milk and honey hundreds of years ago. And they've been enslaved, they've been wandering, trying to get to this promised land. And then when we get to this moment in Joshua 6, they are at the entrance, they are right about, they're at the cusp of entering the promised land, but there's a wall that separates them from their promised land. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture, if that's okay with you. Joshua 6, starting in verse 1. And so, wait, before I jump into the word, Joshua goes and he sends some spies in the city and he sees what needs to happen. And the only thing that's going to happen, the wall is impenetrable. The wall, you cannot go around it. The only thing that possibility is for them to go through the city. And then Joshua 6, we hear God's command on what they are supposed to do. Joshua 6, verse 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of you with the ark, each carrying ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, you, you, all of you have to shout as loud as you can then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. We all encounter walls in our life that separate us from our promised land. What I'm going to talk with you today is four attitudes I think we can practice that we learn from Joshua on how he acts on this command from God. But four attitudes that when we come to the walls that separate us from where we want to be, if we were to practice these four attitudes, we would see walls come down in our life. 
I think if I did a I raise, like, raise your hand moment, I won't do that. But if I said, is there anybody in here who feels like they're running up a, to a wall in something in their life, I would see a bunch of hands go up. Because in our journey, over and over again, we, we go, we go, we go, and we hit a wall. And how we respond to that wall, how we act on God's command on what to do to that wall determines on the status of that wall. It can either stay standing or it can fall, but we have to practice these attitudes. The first attitude I want to talk about is obedience. An attitude of obedience. It's a cool thing. God gives Joshua a clear and defined way to conquer the city, right? He gives him a clear and defined way. You do this and the city will be conquered. But what does he have to, what does he have to do? God he has to obey the commands of God. See, a lot of times God gives us things to do. We pray big prayers. God gives us what we need to do. And we say, I don't know about that, God. That seems like a lot of work. Have you seen the city of Jericho? It's really big. I'm not that good in shape. I can't walk around that that many times. See, because the quote I want to put, if you throw the quote up on the screen, the next slide, victory over Jericho was guaranteed, but it was not automatic. Victory in your life is guaranteed, but it's not automatic. You got to do some work too. You're going to have to put some work on the ground as well. I love that because he hears the word and then he hears the call from God on what to do. And then the next thing, the next passage, he just goes, he goes straight to the men. He says, let's do it. There's not a second that passes. He says, we're going to, okay, get everybody ready. Let's go. And I, I think about this in our prayer life a lot. As I was preparing for this message, the thing that God kept resting on my heart was don't quit at six. Don't quit at six. A lot of us are going around walls in our life, and God has said, go and walk around this seven times. But we get to number six, and we say, God, I'm too tired. God, I haven't seen breakthrough yet. God, I haven't seen that. You promised it would come down. But he said seven. Sometimes we stop at six. Sometimes we stop too early when God is saying, just keep pushing through. Keep pushing through. Keep listening to the words I said and obey what I said. Don't try to do it your way. A lot of times we pray, God, come through and help me in my marriage. God, come through and help me in my finances. God, come through and help me in this relationship in my life. And we expect a miracle in that moment. Break, marriage is fixed. Million dollar check, awesome. See, but here's the thing we don't get a lot. If God just sent a million-dollar check, you wouldn't know how to handle your finances properly yet because you hadn't gone through the furnace of learning how to budget something so the million wouldn't help you, it hurt you. See, sometimes God says, walk around the city seven times because he wants you to learn something around the journey. One of the coolest stories I ever heard is a, I heard a pastor tell this once. He was telling a story of a man who was stranded on an island. I'm sure some of you have heard this before. But the man, his, his ship wrecks, and he's stranded on an island, and he starts to pray. God, free me from this island. God, save me from this island. A couple days into it, starvation starts to hit, starting to get hungry, craving peanut butter. A raft pulls up. This is hey, buddy, hop on. Guy responds, no, God's going to save me. And then the next day, a boat shows up. Hop on. No, God's going to save me. On the third day, an airplane with the water, whatever they're called, pontoon things, lands in front and says, I can get you home in three hours. 
ready to go? No, I believe God is going to save me. The guy dies of starvation, goes to heaven, stands before Jesus, says, what's up, God? God says, I sent a raft, I sent a boat, and I sent an airplane. You didn't get on. It's the same thing with us. God could have just wiped out Jericho, right? He could have wiped out Jericho. But sometimes God gives us earthly things to help accomplish heavenly means. Amen? He says, I will help you with your finances. Here's a Dave Ramsey class. I will help you with your marriage. But first, you need to go to some counseling with your wife. I will help you with that relationship. But you need to practice some humility for a while first. We need to take on earthly attitudes. We need to obey God's word. Obey God's command and finish the journey around the the city, amen? The second attitude I believe we can take on and learn from Joshua is the attitude of remembrance. The piece of scripture that if you read through later on, it says this. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. If you have your Bibles, underline, followed the ark. At the time, the trumpets were sounding. Joshua 6, 9 is where that is. There's two points that pop out to me that says that they followed the ark around the city. Most theologians believe that there was three things inside the ark of the covenant. There was the Ten Commandments. There was Aaron's rod, and there was a pot of manna that they put in this holy box that, that where it went, God went, and that's where they would meet with God, where that box was. And, and they walk around the city with this ark. See, and I believe that they do that so they can remember two things that God calls them to remember. For us to have breakthrough through our walls, first we have to remember God's laws. The, the Ten Commandments are in the Ark of the Covenant. It says walk around with that. We need to walk within God's laws. I know a lot of us, when I say walk in the laws, like, ah, not me. I'm a rebel. I get that. I like to push back against authority, too. But a lot of times we don't see breakthrough through the walls because we're pushing back against what God's law says about that. God, they walk around with God's law, and the second part is so is stuck out to me so beautifully. There's a pot of manna in the ark. And as we read scripture earlier, it says that they come to a time where they're starving, they pray for God to come through, and he sends manna from heaven, Right? And they put that pot of manna in there to remember that God came through once before and he will come through again. Sometimes when we are coming up against a wall, we need to remember what God has already done in our life to keep faith in the moment. We need to remember the great things that God has already done before so we can remember he'll do it again. We need to remember that time he came through in that relationship, that time he came through through that illness, that time he came through financially. So when we come up against another wall, we say, he did it once before, he'll do it again. There's an easy way to practice this. It was a hard thing for me to get to. But I I started writing down my prayers. When I would pray a prayer, I would just write down that prayer request in in this journal I have, and I would just write it there. And about once a month, I would just cycle through this journal and over and over again, I say, wow, God, you did answer that prayer. We had a cool moment just recently where we went to Mexico. We took about 1,200 high school students down to Mexico. Crazy decision. The madhouse. And we took them down. But I remember the day before we were about to leave, God impressed on my heart to just pray for certain students that I knew needed to radically encounter Jesus on this trip. 
So as I began to pray, I began to write down their names in the current circumstances that they were battling. One of the kids' names I wrote down, an hour later, I get a call from the parent saying she is not going to be able to go on the trip because she has just attempted suicide. And I remember that my prayer for her was for her to find God's joy. Oh, man, what a discouraging moment that was for me. But as I, I'm on this journal and I see this, I flick back through and I remember, wow, God's done stuff before. And I had this amazing moment in Mexico. The third day I'm sitting in our morning chapel and I receive a text message from the student. And in that text message, she starts to go off explaining what has happened in her life. I didn't talk to her yet. And she explains what she did, and she explained that she had spent 72 hours in the psych ward, and now she was out. And she went home on that first night after feeling just so overwhelmed and depressed. She went home, and she started to cry out to God in a room. The text field must have been this long. And she starts to cry out to God. And then miraculously, I don't know, she says, Amy Grant turns on the radio. Not actually Amy Grant turns on the radio, but Amy Grant comes on the radio. (laughs) And this... You Are Loved song just starts to play over the radio and she starts to surrender her life to God as I start to cry huge, giant tears as she starts to say, I tried to kill myself three days ago, but today I feel so much joy. She uses the word that I wrote down in the prayer three, four days ago. I feel so much joy and for the first time in my life, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and I gave my life to him in my room. How awesome is that? But now, when I look back at that journal, I get to look at that student's story, and next time I come to a student where I feel, man, this one's too far gone. This one's really having a hard time. God, this one's going to be Merrill. I can look back and remember that he's done it once. He'll do it again. Amen? The third attitude, you guys still with me? Good. The third attitude I believe we need to practice when we encounter walls in our life is the attitude of praise. An attitude of praise. How do you praise? How do you praise in a time of trouble? How do you praise when you're in front of a wall that is blocking you from getting to your promised land? How do you praise in that moment? As I was reading the scripture of Joshua, something stuck out to me. In Joshua 6, 15 and 17, it says this. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, And marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around the priest sounded the trumpet blast. And Joshua commanded his army. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Two verses later. The Bible paints a picture of the walls falling down. To you that might sound meaningless, but to me, something resonated in my heart that he shouted the victory before the walls came down. He shouted, God has given us this city before he saw the walls crumble. He praised God for the victory before he saw the earthly representation of God's victory. A lot of times we come encounter walls in our life and we pray prayers like this. God, if you knock down this wall, I will worship you. God, if you give me this answer to prayer, I will serve you for the rest of my life. A lot of times you see in the movies all the time, the guy that's like about to die. God, if you save me, I will worship you forever. He cannot be saved. He gets saved, 
But does he change? No. Our praise cannot be circumstantial. Our praise cannot be circumstantial because we live in a sin-filled, fallen earth. Amen? And if we base our praise to God in heaven on our circumstances here on earth, and he shouts and proclaims a joyful heart. But just as Joshua stands at the city and he shouts and proclaims the victory before the walls fall, we need to look at our situations and say, God, not we, don't, we need to stop praying God if you prayers, but we need to start praying God even if you don't prayers, I'm still going to worship you. God, even if you don't fix this situation, I'm still going to worship you. God, even if you don't cure this illness, I'm still going to worship you. The story that rocks me about this is we got a guy named Daniel in our college ministry. He was diagnosed with leukemia three years ago. I remember sitting at his bedside when the doctor came in and said, this is most likely going to take your life. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to try to make it an enjoyable moment for the end. As I sat there holding his hands and just praying as he's crying, he said words, God's got it. But even if he doesn't, I'll be happy to see him. Even if he doesn't, I'll be happy to see him. And as the time went on, he gets set free. He gets healed from this uncurable disease. And the doctor tells him, you're in remission. A year and a half goes by, and he starts to gain weight back after the chemo, and he starts to gain his hair back, and then it hits him again. I remember standing at the door to his house saying, how do you go to someone who's been diagnosed with leukemia twice and tell him it's going to be okay? I'm like psyching myself up outside of the door to talk to this poor kid. I walk in thinking that the the shades are going to be drawn, that he's going to be crying, there's going to be a bunch of people mourning. And in my mind, I pictured this really dark atmosphere I was about to engage in. I walk in and this young college student is sitting there playing his Xbox and he's playing a video game. He's got two friends on his side. He's just having a good time. Kid was just diagnosed with leukemia. Guess what he says this time? Jane, he did it once before. He might do it again. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to enjoy this moment. Even if he doesn't, I'm not going to let it get me down. What if we started to pray prayers like that? Even if he doesn't fix this situation, God, you're still going to have my heart. God, even if you don't interject and help me in the ways I believe I need help, you will have my heart. God, no matter what the circumstances are, you will always have my heart. Amen? Just because I don't know how long I have, I'm just going to wrap up with this fourth point. That practice of boldness. As we, we start to study the life of Joshua and you continue to read about his life, you realize Joshua was a bold man. And he prayed and acted boldly. And there's a moment three chapters later after the walls of Jericho have come down where Joshua is engaging an army. His army is engaging another army. And he prays what I, he prays what I believe is the boldest prayer in the history of the universe. He prays a prayer. And as his armies engage in the army, they start to take victory, but they don't want the day to close and spread. So he prays the boldest prayer I've ever read. He says, Lord, make the sun stand still. And the sun ceases to move. 
He prayed a prayer. I don't know if you would comprehend this. He prayed a prayer believing that God would stop something that is moving around the cosmos of our universe, make it stop that scientists say, if that happened, the universe would be destroyed. Because if a star stopped moving, it would collapse on itself and everything would stop, explode. But he says, that's not too big for God. I've seen him knock down a wall before. I've marched around the city seven times, and now I believe, and I am faithful, and I can pray bold prayers knowing he will come through. He has a boldness about him to pray this audacious prayer. I'm going to close with this. What if we stopped praying prayers that we could answer ourselves? I'll say that one more time. What if we stopped praying prayers that we could answer ourselves? A lot of us are afraid to come to God with the big things because we are scared. What if he doesn't come through? What if God doesn't show up? So we pray prayers that we can make happen ourselves. We pray prayers that aren't big. We pray little prayers. What if we started to pray Sun stand still prayers. That when we went before God, we would believe that he would stop the motion of the universe to invade our situation. The only way we get to this attitude of boldness is by practicing the faithfulness, by practicing the praise, by practicing these acts in our daily life. But eventually I believe we get to a time where we've seen God through, come through enough that our prayer life will start to enhance and we will start to pray bolder prayers knowing that God did it once, he'll do it again. Amen? I want us to start to pray sun stand still prayers. God knows we need it in our country, amen? God knows we need that. So I want to ask real quick for everyone in here just to close your eyes. I want to pray with you. And I want to pray for you. I talked about four acts, four attitudes we can practice to help the walls in our life come tumbling down. I'm going to give you two opportunities to respond here. The first one is this. Some of you might be in this room, and as I talked about Jesus and I talked about God, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. You hear stories of God. You hear stories of him working in people's lives, but you've never encountered that yourself. You've never given your life to Christ and said, Christ, invade my heart, invade my situation. And maybe you just want to give God your heart today. Either for the first time or you want to, you want to turn your heart back to God. Say, God, I'm going to believe you again. I'm going to give you my heart again. If that's you, no one's looking around. Could you just raise your hand up into the up into the air for me? Amen. Raise it up. Amen. 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 Praise Jesus. Amen. I've seen those hands. I'm gonna pray for those in a second. But I think that God put this message on my heart to come to Adventure in Atomas for a reason. 
that there's people in this room who have been battling up against the wall for a long time and not known how to get through it. The wall seems too big, it seems too overwhelming, and you've just been praying and praying and praying, acting and acting and acting, but the wall just won't seem to break down. Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's a relationship with your kids, maybe it's a relationship with your friends, Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's some attitude that you have that just messes everything up. I don't know what it is, but you've been battling against this wall for a long time. And you want to pray a prayer for God to give you clear direction on what you need to do to conquer that wall. If that's you, just raise your hand for me. Amen. Hands going up everywhere. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray for every single person who raised their hand to give their heart to you. And it blows my mind every time, God. It blows my mind how great your gospel is and how great you are. God, I pray that you would just smother them with love. God, that you would just invade their heart. Let them never turn back, God. Let them never change. Invade their situation. God, get them courage and strength to follow you every day. And for every single person that raised their hand because they have a wall in their life that needs to come down, God, I pray that your will would be done in that situation. God, I pray your will be done in that situation. If they need to learn something while marching around that wall, I pray you teach them something, God. If you need to break down that wall, God, I pray you break down that wall, but your will be done in that situation. We pray for freedom. We pray for newness, God. God, we lift all these things up to you in your holy and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me out. Thank you so much. Give it up for Pastor.